Welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing with your hosts, Asif Khan and Abriana Lopez. All right, uh, we are back with your favorite podcast of the week. This is This Week in Location-Based Marketing. It's episode number 425, and we're recording live on uh, the morning of July the 30th in Toronto. And as you can see, for the first time ever, Karsten is right beside me. Right. Hey. Hi. Hi, guys. Welcome to Canada. Thank you very much, Asif. (laughs) Thanks for being here. Yeah, so uh, as we've mentioned on the show before, Karsten and his family uh, have arrived in Canada. They're here uh, for a number of months now uh, until December, and uh, it's going to be kind of fun working alongside him. But uh, Brianna's uh, away this week, and so we thought uh, since he's here, let's let's do a live show. Um, so, so there you have it. Um, uh, fairly simple show uh, this week. Uh, no guests, no research, anything like that. Uh, just three industry news stories and three member news stories, and, and I'm sure Karsten will have uh, some other uh, tidbits to add along uh, of what he's done in the last month, so, right. of what he's seen in Canada, maybe. So, yeah. all right. So um, with that, uh, we'll jump right into it. I'll let Karsten start us off with our industry news section and our first story of the week. Okay. Thank you very much, Asif. Um, great to be here. Canada is amazing. So we have a lot of fun. So a bit of vacation trip before. So three weeks on traveling on an RV. Going east, not north, which is unusual. Just regular people from Toronto going north. Mm-hmm. We, we took east and have been in Ottawa and Quebec and see the whales. And the Atlantic Ocean was amazing. So now we moved in our house yesterday. Mm-hmm. No, the day before yesterday. And so everything is, yeah, really exciting. But now jump into the topics and the reason I'm here. So uh, most of them, I'm very happy to, to work together with you the next months. So we have a lot of uh, questions and uh, yeah, opportunities in the LBMA ecosystem we can figure out. It's in terms of events, in terms of side events we are planning to do. So more than in the next shows. But yes. for, for now, let's start with the industry news. So a Swedish company is introducing the fitting room that's how they call it and um yeah it's 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 a combination between a, a classic fitting room and uh, the digital aspect so you have a mirror inside you have uh, the rfid tags on the closest so if you're entering the fitting room the idea behind is uh, that the mirror can show you the products and additional contents like uh, colors uh, sizes and other fitting products to that and this gives the opportunity for upselling um, and more comfortable um, yeah, shopping experience because you know if you once go into a fitting room and decided to have three, four pieces with you, um, then you try it on. So you put your own clothes off, try that other on. So it's very uncomfortable to put your own clothes back on, going outside in the store, grab something else. So the idea behind is that the interactive mirror and the technology offers you different um, yeah, colors, uh, add-on products and make it more comfortable to shop. Also, you have the opportunity to buy that product directly on the screen. So say, all right, we take this now. Uh, can you ship it me home? So it's a combination of both worlds, the, the physical store. So you have to feel it. You have to see how it looks like on you. You. and on the other hand you have the option to deliver it at home or just call a, a, a ring for a store associate that helps you to to bring another clothes and things like that so that's that's the idea behind that but and to be honest 
it's not brand new, so we have those systems. Like a couple of years, so I remember times when um, a big retailer in, in, in Europe is trying that out. It's 15 years ago. There was interactive fitting room with video camera systems and the store associate watching what they are doing there. Uh, very weird, but we had those things a couple of times ago. But, but what we now see is by dropping down prices for RFID tags. So every mm, yeah, manufacturer is delivering now RFID tags on their products. It's much more easy to, to install those technologies. Problem on this side is always content. So if you don't have the right content behind uh, in the backend system, which allows you to say this is this, yeah, piece of uh, maybe a T-shirt or so. This is that color. This is that product quality. So this be must be standardized. So um, if you see at big retailers, um, for example, the department stores uh, they have thousands of thousands of products so think about that how quick they move that and how many how much content you need there for mm -hmm. yeah on the backend system this allows you to give any relationship to other products so they also have a couple of numbers so so um, especially in sweden you see it's different so we have one two major big cities uh, the rest of the population is living on the countryside far away from every opportunity to buy stuff so it's a wide landscape there so e-commerce is very popular so the mixture between the online world and the offline world is uh, very very important to see those products and so they have 30% uh, returns on common for e-commerce in Sweden nearly so it disappeared in the fitting room so they moved out of the fitting room into the e-commerce so that was the reason for doing this so I'm a bit long story for that yeah, yeah it's, it's all right uh, you, you know I, th I think it's an interesting story it speaks to a kind of bigger trend of in retail overall of kind of this online offline mashup of, of uh, technologies as you say it, it's it's not new um, there's nothing truly innovative here in my in my view either. Uh, we've seen this with Nordstrom. We've seen this with uh, Neiman Marcus uh, Innovation Lab. We've seen similar things uh, over the last couple of years. I think a couple of things. You, you mentioned the content, uh, and I think content is key. One thing I like about it is that it's tied to Elo touchscreen, so you bring the product in with the RFID tag, it activates on the screen, and then from a content perspective, it shows you you know all the normal things, what colors are available and sizes and all that sort of stuff. But it also has information from the designers and from the brands. Um, you know, in terms of from a design, designer perspective, what's their inspiration for creating this piece and things like that that some people might care a little bit about. Um, I can't say I do, I just buy whatever <laughs> it looks good, but but some people do. Oh, nice one, yes. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, so I think that's interesting. And I think, as you say, the, the numbers are, um, you know, uh, can, can, can prove out, you know, real value around this as well. And, and uh, so we're starting to see some of that. And, and I think it's the, the, the pair that founded this company and one from kind of, you know, clothing, one from kind of the sneaker side, kind of coming together to kind of bring that experience and, and help people kind of touch and feel the product. Uh, a little bit in a, in a technology driven way I think is interesting. The other thing I think that's interesting here is is that uh, they don't uh, hold a lot of inventory around these products in the yeah. store. So it's all, you know, you go in, you experience it, you try on whatever is available, you make your decision and then, um, you know, they don't have to have a lot of stock there. So they, you know, they, they basically order it and deliver it to you. So well, this is the endless aisle concept yeah. behind that. 
And other other point on this is data. So all this um, data we're collecting now in the fitting rooms is we didn't have it before in physical stores. So we're entering a physical store, so you don't know which uh, product um, the cus uh, customer grabbed out and tried it on and bring it back. The only data you had was uh, the sales at the end of the uh, mm -hmm. the sales process. So only just that one. So um, collecting data is a big point on this. So just uh, learn more about the customers, which colors they like, which sizes they like, which fits together, which products they bring into the fitting room. So this data, if you collect and combine it in a data company, so it makes much more sense to optimize your assortment and uh, the products you will offer to your customer. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, so check it out uh, if you're in Sweden. Uh, yeah, this is in G Gothenburg in particular. Gothenburg, second biggest city there. Yeah, um, the fitting room. Take a look. Um, all right, so on to our second story now. Uh, right here in, in Canada on the East Coast in Halifax, Nova Scotia, uh, two local entrepreneurs uh, have teamed up, uh, Najib Ferris and Francisco Stara, uh, to open a, uh, a kiosk-based business at Halifax's Stanfield International Airport. Uh, offering sandwiches, snacks, kombucha, um, you know, all kinds of, uh, of treats and all made with local ingredient, ingredients from local farms and, and local producers. Um, what's unique about this is that this whole kiosk and, and all the product available is uh, th there's, there's, you don't have to pay for anything uh, in a traditional way. It's, uh, it's called the Mabata Honesty Shop and basically uh, you, you you know you pay you know just by being honest they have a mailbox there you can put cash in they have a tablet uh, and card reader that you can pay with by card um, and so far interesting um, you know uh, they've had a hundred percent you know uh, payment for products so uh, it's been running since uh, July the 10th and uh, will run I think through through August um, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think it's, you know, for, as a Canadian, I can say, you know, I've seen this kind of East Coast generosity. I can't say this would probably be the same in a big city like Toronto, but, uh, you, you know, uh, on the East Coast for sure, I would say, uh, you, you know, that it's just the culture of, of the people and uh, that kind of small town uh, mentality. I remember uh, my wife and I went out to a... Uh, a wedding out in Newfoundland, uh, not too far from where we're talking about right now. Uh, and the first time we were out there, we, we booked like a bed and breakfast uh, property online. Uh, we showed up, there was nobody there to, to check us in or take money. There was a mailbox with a note with a key, it said, let yourself in. Um, we let ourselves in, we spent the, the, the week there and then we had to like literally find somebody to pay. Um, it, it's just, it's a different time. It's almost like time left it behind where you, you know, there's just safety. You could leave your doors unlocked. You don't have to worry about anything. And I think for these guys, what they were really going after is, is their inspiration was, was local farms. They, they went out to, there's local farms in the Halifax area. And they ha these guys have a restaurant business, and so they were going out to get ingredients uh, for for their restaurant, uh, you know. And and they found farmers, you know, operating under the same concept. You know, take a bag of a sack of potatoes and just pay what you want, or or you know, uh, leave behind what you want. There was no fixed fees uh, associated with that, and they were really inspired by that and decided let's let's do something like this, uh, you know, for regular people. Uh, and doing it in the airport environment. So, uh, so far it's working. They plan to try and keep this uh, beyond the pilot as well. 
um, and are working with the airport authority on that right now. Yeah, so um, yeah, if you're out in Halifax, you know, check it out. Uh, go to these guys' restaurants, support what they're doing because uh, they're doing good work, and and uh, and and I think you know we can all have a little more honesty in our in our lives in terms of how we operate. What do you think? Absolutely, um, it should be. Uh, on the other hand, you have to think about where you place those kind of concepts. So mm -hmm. If you do it in an environment like the airport or something other where it's well protected and known, so then uh, it's much more easier than you do it on a, on a free field or something like that, or in a big town as you said before. But mm -hmm. honestly, it's very, very important and I love the idea to give what you think is a product worth and he here back to data, just if you can find out what they are buying for, what, uh, what what's the amount of money they're spending yeah. for the product. That's very interesting. And it's easier to find for you the right price for the product because always yeah. as marketeers, we think about the pricing of product and then uh, what could be the right price? Yeah, how do you tell you test yes. and figure yeah. that out? Test and find it out. So it's yeah. maybe also a good opportunity therefore. Yeah. Very good. All right, on to our, our third story in the industry news. Yeah, absolutely. So this is based on my daughter. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> so we had breakfast uh, together last uh, days. Yeah. And uh, so first thing my, my little daughter did was bringing their Nutella to the breakfast table in Canada, which is unusual. I don't know how uh, often they're using Nutella as breakfast. Not like you. Not like yes. <laughs> so Europeans and especially Germans are very, very focused on Nutella kits. So this is uh, no nut nougat cream yeah. so yeah. for those that don't know this so take it on the bread so hey, hazelnut hazelnut yeah. yeah that's correct so and so uh, what Ferrero this is a company behind Italian based company um, is doing right now they're trusting and uh, trying out uh, the voice thing yeah we had it a couple of times before just to uh, find out um, how can you use Alexa, Siri, all those voice-based uh, applications to yeah, buy and sell your product. So, um, and this is not brand new, but uh, the question behind is more than what can you do with that? It's not about selling, it's more about the resets, it's more about what you can um, do in terms of, uh, yeah, finding out about more of the product and what the, the customers needs and at the end of the day they, they will sell this Nutella via voice so not the first one to do this but um, yeah they try it so I think yeah and, and I think uh, they're leveraging a, a feature that's built into uh, Amazon and Google voice assistants right now for CPG uh, yeah. uh, advertisers in particular for product sampling and so the idea here is is that you know, if you have one of those voice uh, applications, you basically uh, can say, uh, send me a sample, and, and it, it recognizes that phrase, uh, and then, you know, basically Nutella then sends you out a, a small little sample jar, you, you know, probably your For breakfast. Probably your daughter's <laughs> going to be doing that every day. But, Absolutely, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. She will be the testimony for that. She will love to do this. Yeah. So if everybody from Ferrero is watching, so my daughter will help you out here in Canada to be a representative. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and, and it, it's a growing business uh, for sure. Like we're seeing, we've talked a lot on this show lately about yeah. voice commerce. Uh, it's been a key topic at our, our retail local conferences. Um, and, you know, we're seeing a lot of growth right now. 5% um, of consumers using voice uh, now um, uh, already, uh, and, and they're projecting that could be 50% by 2022. That's a massive leap. 
Do you uh, use it? Uh, to be I, honest, I, I, I use it in the car. Yes. Um, you know, so definitely in a connected car environment, I'm you know using voice a lot. Uh, yeah. I would say, not so much yet. Um, you know, in the home environment, we do have Alexa here uh, in our house, and uh, you know, I would say we use it for things not for commerce, but we use it for things like tell me what the weather is going to be, or yeah. tell me what the news headlines are going to be, or you, you know, things like that. Yeah. Well, not what they're going to be, what they are, because if we could do that, that means it's predicting the news, but <laughs> <laughs> that would be scary. Uh, oh, let's see what's happening yeah, in the future. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. So anyway, so that's our our, uh, our three industry news stories for this week. Uh, some interesting things there. And as I said, no guests this week. Uh, All right, good. All right, on to our uh, member news uh, for this week. Uh, we have three stories for you to talk about, uh, and I'll kick it off. Our first story is about our good friends at Kroger. Um, now, you know, Kroger and everybody in that industry has been, you know, big users of data, trying to understand how to optimize performance, how to, you know, find more revenue, how to, you know, improve the bottom line, as any retailer should and, and, and does. Um, and uh, they have, uh, for some time now, they have a uh, innovation arm uh, that's uh, called 84.51. Um, and uh, what's really interesting is rather than just collecting data for their own purposes, they're now taking the data that they have uh, and that they've been uh, using for their own purpose and opening that up to their partners. And so they've launched a new platform called Stratum. It's spelled S-T-R-A-T-U-M. Uh, and it takes all the data that they collect from you know their bricks and mortar, their e-commerce transactions, uh, in-store behavior, in-stock behavior, all that kind of stuff, and then makes that available to all their CPG brands and advertising partners. Uh, love this because for me, um, you know, there's always this battle that goes on. You know, we've talked a lot over the years about you know new technologies that are being developed by vendors uh, out there in the marketplace within our industry, and they're trying to find ways to get this into the retailer. Um, and often there's this battle, you know, on who pays for it. it, it should, should, the, should the vendor come in and put in their beacons for free and then monetize the data that way? Or should the, should the retailer say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy those because it's, it's my store, it's my data, I want to control it? Or should the CPG come in and say, okay, well, it's actually my product in your store and I want to know what's going on with it and, and I have lots of money and I'll pay for it. So there's always that, that, you know, that conversation, right? And I think here it's very clear. Kroger has made the decision, look, this is our store, it's our data, we have lots of great data, we understand what's going on, but we're now we're going to extend our understanding uh, to our partners uh, down the supply chain you know, within the CPG community uh, through this platform called, called uh, Stratum. For me, what's even more important here is, is, is we're seeing clear evidence and success at that uh, in, a, in a retailer now trying to find uh, alternative revenue streams by monetizing their data, not so they're not just selling groceries now; they're they're selling data, um, you know, about what's going on in their stores. Uh, they're becoming a media company. They're becoming a data company uh, as an alternative revenue stream. Now, according to uh, Gary Millerchip, who's the CEO of the finance personal finance side for Kroger, um, they're expecting 20% growth in alternative revenue, uh, or they did in 2018, and expecting more for this year. Um, so it's it, so this is a growing business for them, um, and uh, I can see a lot of other retailers moving uh, to do something similar. Yeah, absolutely. But what we have here is um, the two sides of the story. So it's uh, always a fight between the industry and the retailer uh, who owns the data, who is collecting data, 
and if you see, I, I find this a cool move. So just to find out which data we have and open up it to the industry and say, I can sell it to you. But you have to be see the other side of the story, which is the industry. The industry is not selling only just to you and your particular branch and industry you're in. For example, grocery stores, so you have the high price uh, uh, sector and you have the low price sector on the other side. So there are two different markets, so different customers, two, two different behaviors, and so the data you're collecting in your store does not fit to the other ones. So uh, they need a broader view, mm -hmm. especially the Stenoni, Ferrero, Nestle, all those guys need a broader view, but it's very important that you collect the data and give them the industry. So yeah. the industry is always asking for data, they have their own data, and if you match, uh, match those kind of data, pots you have then, then you can have a clearer view on how to sell and address uh, your products and, uh, and make it more valuable for the customer at the end of the day to buy that and for you uh, profitable as a company. So absolutely good move. Um, let's see what's happening. Yeah, and, and they're going to have multiple different subscription packages around this data, they say, uh, depending on different size of companies and budgets. Did I say something about how much it cost? No, <laughs> just, 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 just that they'll have a number of different subscription levels and, right. and, and uh, pricing How deep you want to go into that yeah, segment? So, okay, yeah. God. So, so there you go. Uh, on to our second story. Absolutely. Shopping malls and, yeah, virtual reality. So, um, as you know, shopping malls are yeah, in a big change. So what we have now is we have a company called Unidal Rodamco. They also have the brand Westfield on her portfolio, a big, big shopping mall operator in Europe and a couple uh, of uh, shopping malls also here in North America um, within the most popular um, New York based uh, mall. It's called, was that the Oculus? That's right. Yes, it's yeah. the Oculus yeah. uh, at the World Trade Center. So that's uh, what they do. And they teamed up with Void. So Void is a company you mentioned before in one of your podcasts. Yes. And uh, you talk about later about this. So this is a virtual reality company. So what they're doing, they're doing entertainment stuff. So what we have now, we have um, like a pop-up store in the middle of the Oculus Center, is that right? And so there you can have experience about virtual reality. Go into the Star Wars movie or play a game or promote some products or feel like uh, yeah in another world and this is all based on entertainment and in the end of the day it's try to answer the big question how shopping malls can be um, yeah more attractive to to the consumers and visitors well, especially here in North America um, it's it's a part of the culture to go to a shopping mall. You have everything there, what you need. Your dentist is there, your parts of your governments are there. Mm -hmm. You have to go some to, to office, uh, you go there, go for food there, and have a cinema there. So these are things that are there, but uh, things are changing. You know, especially we, we, we had a look at uh, your local mall uh, where you're living uh, in that area, it's in Pickering, that mall is a big change there because um, they lost a lot of renters and a lot of space from, uh, what was that, was Sears? And Sears and Target. Sears and Target, so think about how many square meters are lost when they move out of a shopping mall that mm -hmm. is empty and make it more attractive for uh, people to go there is maybe entertainment can be a part of this, um, but also the whole structure about uh, yeah, uh, shopping malls. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I, I think that uh, retail shopping malls today need to find alternative use cases for, for that space, for that property. I think entertainment plays a big role in that. You know, when I was a kid, you know, shopping malls were, were much bigger than they are now. 
you know, the, the local mall where I grew up was a, is a very large one. And uh, I remember I would go there after school several days a week with friends uh, because there was a video arcade and we could play pinball machines and same. we could play video games. It's and, same. And it's the same thing. It's just, it's in the modern era, right? This, in this case, virtual reality. Uh, so the Void's a great company uh, that we talked about uh, a little while ago when they launched uh, based out of Utah. They have a huge property out there where you can run around and play in this virtual reality environment on a much bigger scale. In this case, obviously, they're, they're doing it on small scale uh, inside of shopping malls, initially for uh, properties um, in uh, Westfield World Trade Center, New York, Westfield Century City. Um, they're bringing this um, into London, Paris, Stockholm as well. Um, so this is a big deal uh, globally, um, and I think there, it, it sort of reshapes kind of what these properties are all about. You know, we've seen, for example, WeWork uh, mm -hmm. taking over retail space, right? Uh, you know, this idea of not very profitable. Yeah, but but, but, but the idea <laughs> of of working and living and yeah. playing and shopping all in the same space, mm -hmm. I think has merit and we're going to see a lot more of that especially in big cities um you know where you have that density to to justify that so uh yeah check it out the void teams up with uh uniball Rodamco uh, westfield so there you go That's it. all right uh on to our uh, our final story now uh about our friends at here technologies here uh, one of the biggest mapping uh, and location data companies on the planet uh, has teamed up with SoundHound. And SoundHound, if you're not familiar with them, they're a voice-enabled AI platform, conversational intelligence uh, platform. What um, a bird. Conversational <laughs> intelligence, yes. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so they have a platform called Houndify. Uh, it's a voice AI platform. And basically, uh, what they're doing here is is that uh, we, we talked earlier about the power of voice and how... Uh, quickly that's growing uh, on us uh, as everyday consumers and we're starting to use it more and more. Um, but it's important, you know, when you're doing commerce over voice to you're ordering products, you're doing things that you have accurate location data associated with that. Um, so, you know, that's where here comes into the mix here and, and, and yeah, no pun intended, they're bringing, uh, you know, real time maps, they're bringing uh, navigation data, they're bringing um, all sorts of uh, data around uh, routing and rendering um, and transit information. Yeah, so uh, as I was saying, like the, um, I, I think I think the interesting thing here is, is, the, is the combination of, you know, the conversational AI piece, uh, the voice piece here with accurate location and mapping data. Uh, and there's nobody better, uh, you know, in terms of, you know, that type of data here than, uh, than what the guys at here technologies have. So, um, yeah, what do you think? Well, it's, it's again, so we, we step back in our, our podcast to one of the first uh, uh, yeah, stories we had is about data accuracy and uh, how we collect data and use it. So you need the right location to get the right information for your customer or for uh, the service you're providing. So therefore, absolutely, it's uh, necessary that you have this kind of data available in an accurate uh, way. And uh, I think you mentioned it before. So there are a lot of data. We had it at local, uh, local retail local in Seattle. So how uh, much data is, isn't correct? So how much is that? Mm. Was it a third or something like that? Yeah, a third, right. yeah. a third. It's a lot. And think about that. And if you're offering services and uh, products, uh, you have to be sure that the right data and the right location at the end of the day. Yeah, important. Yeah. Absolutely. So that's our show for this week. Three industry news stories, three member news stories. 
uh, a wide range of things in there. Uh, and you've been listening to episode number 425 of This Week in Location-Based Marketing. Of course, we'll be back next week uh, with a, yet another show. I think Abriana should be back. Um, so you can look forward to that. And uh, thank you, Karsten, for, for coming and thank participating uh, and being here. Um, if you have feedback, story ideas, um, and uh, you know want to get in touch with us, uh, please do so. We're easily found on social media. Uh, and if you're watching the video of this, uh, the contact information is at the end of the show. Thanks, everyone, for listening and watching. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye. <laughs>